Good morning, Cross Point Fellowship. Hi, my name's Terry Sadler. I'm one of the deacons here at Cross Point. I want to open us up with just a uh, um, call to worship. I want to welcome our visitors. Uh, if you are here and uh, you are a visitor and uh, uh, would like to uh, put your contact information on one of these cards and drop it off in the back on your way out, that'll be a good way for us to get to know you. Uh, you can get uh, emails. Uh, from us regarding uh, announcements that are going on, things that are going on in this body, and uh, for us to for us to find out more about you and for you to find out more about us. Um, also, if you're a visitor online and you would like to find out more about us and like to be connected, uh, you can text CONNECT to 903-458-9199. Uh, for more information about our body. Right, well, our uh, call to worship this morning is from Psalm 86. It says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations that you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give me your strength uh, to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Uh, please pray with me. Father, you are, you are great and you are wondrous. You are holy and you are righteous. You are full of grace and you are full of mercy. Uh, there is none like you and we want to glorify your name. Father, we give thanks to you, especially in this season, Father, for you sought us. Uh, we were needy. We were poor. You sought us out. You called us. You made us yours and adopted us as sons and daughters. Father, we give thanks to you for your steadfast love, uh, for provision in times of great need, for faithfulness to us even when we prove to be unfaithful. Father, we're thankful that you listen, that you hear us. Um, you hear our prayers, and you've given us direct access to your throne. Father, you alone are our source of strength, our source of hope, and our source of comfort. And Father, I pray that you would just accept our humble worship and praise at this time. Uh, Father, prepare our hearts to hear your word, teach us your ways and your truth, and help us to walk in them. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you, Terry. Y'all, we're going to do everything we can to stay open. I think that's, uh, that's the theme for us as a church right now. It has been uh, throughout this is that our goal is to, uh, once we opened, I guess it's been three months or so, something like that, uh, to stay open. And uh, that might mean 10 of us gather. That might mean 10 of us are well and not quarantined. And um, we'll just press on in that. There, I think we're joining um, a great cloud of witnesses uh, that have... Uh, gone on before us that had to worship together in difficult times. You know, thinking about whether you're stealing away to the catacombs under the Roman Empire, at great risk to worship together as the people of God, or whether you're gathering with this invisible little virus thing out there, you know. So um, it's hard to even compare the two, but there are people that are losing their lives in this thing. So it's a different kind of threat, but it's a threat. And uh, I'm thankful that y'all are here in person. If you are able to be here today, if you're not here today, you're missed. Uh, there are folks that aren't gathering with us for really good reason. So uh, we can pray for those who aren't with us. And um, we can be thankful that we have a chance to gather this Sunday. And we're going to continue to press on. Unless there's some major outbreak and um, like everybody that can preach and sing are sick, <laughs> which is possible, I guess, uh, we're going to press on. So um it may be a few of us at times, and, and this morning is a great example of that, but we're thankful. We're going to count this um, a potent um, time where the people of God gather with the living God present. We know he's here with us. So let's uh, start our morning in prayer, or continue our morning, I should say. We've already started in prayer. We'll continue it in some more prayer. Uh, you know, somebody is, this is kind of cool. This is an observation from a visitor a, a month or so ago. I said, you guys pray a lot. Like, man, I love that. What a great thing to be known for. I hope we pray a lot. I hope every step in our time of gathering is bathed in prayer. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to pray for a people group in India, the, Mahai, the Mahishya people, uh, almost 10 million strong, 0.3% of, of which are Christians. Uh, most are Hindu. Um, we're going to pray for a local church in our community, Mineral Heights Baptist Church. Uh, and we're going to pray for those who are sick and quarantined and, um, you know, danger of if, the, if they're immunochallenged, all, the, all those different things that are going on. And it's a fitting time to pray for our country. Uh, just the news from day to day is just a, just clobber. you just clobbered with what's coming out of the news. So let's go to the Lord. God, we are so thankful that we have the opportunity to gather this morning. We're so thankful that those who are joining us online, that we are gathered through the, the connecting work of the Holy Spirit, a shared spirit, a shared uh, Savior, a shared uh, victory over death, uh, a seated Lord who is reigning and ruling that we all share that unite us this morning, even if we're not together in person. Lord, this morning we want to pray for a people group. Uh, we are praying big prayers each week for these unreached people groups that, that you know that you um, created that you know every person, every detail in every person's life, every hair numbered on every head in these 9.8 million people that we're praying for this morning, the Mahishya people, Lord. We lift them up. We ask you to draw them to you, Lord. We ask you to send workers to the far corners with the good news of the gospel. Lord, that you would draw people to you and this people group would be represented in heaven together, that we would meet some of these people someday as you have drawn your sheep from the far corners of the field. Lord, we entrust this people group to you and ask you to draw them. 
Lord, also we want to pray for another church in our community, Mineral Heights Baptist Church, and praying for Mike and Sarah Pishney. Lord, we are lifting them up this morning and asking you to sustain them in these uh, just difficult times. Just ministry is, uh, is not easy, especially in a, a season like this, Lord. We just entrust them to you and ask you to give them endurance, faith-fueled, worship-fueled endurance, uh, that they are enjoying you out loud and uh, that they are shepherding the saints that... Uh, Mike is especially shepherding his family first and foremost, that he is uh, showing his family what it looks like, what the gospel looks like and how he's treating um, Sarah and how they are growing together as husband and wife. Lord, we are entrusting them to you and asking you to bless them and bless Mineral Heights Baptist Church. Lord, also we want to pray for those who are sick this morning, some even among us uh, that are home right now. Lord, we just pray that you would sustain them, that you would heal them, uh, that you would uh, give them a uh, hope uh, as they are enduring the sickness, Lord, that you would uh, restore them to full health, Lord. We just ask the very clear desire of our heart, uh, and we entrust them to you, understanding that your will uh, may, be, may, may be contrary to our prayers. We, we pray that our, our prayers would ultimately align with your will. So uh, this morning, we share the desire of our hearts for, for recovery. Uh, we pray that those who are uh, quarantined this morning, that they'll be blessed in the time that they may be spending together as a family, uh, that you would uh, guard them from all the, the challenges of being stuffed into one house and one space over a short period of time uh, around the clock, uh, that you would actually bless them in those times of quarantine. Uh, we pray for those uh, who are at risk, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would, would give them a, a, a peace that can only come from you. Pray that you would uh, keep them from uh, fear, uh, that they would have a, a wisdom in how they're navigating, uh, how they're moving, a, a carefulness as they're uh, dealing with even just the daily things of groceries. Lord, we pray that those who are at risk would be willing to ask for help, that the rest of us uh, who are less at risk would be willing to come alongside, that we'd be attentive to our brothers and sisters, to our neighbors, uh, to our workmates, to our friends who might have to hunker down right now, that we could care for them, uh, that we could uh, deliver groceries, that we could tend to them in ways that might bless them uh, as we navigate these next few weeks. Uh, Lord, we also pray for kids who are in and out of schools and in and out of all different kinds of activities, uh, in and out of quarantine maybe. Lord, we pray for our kids that they would have a peace that can only come from you, that they would see that you are a good father, that you are present, you're a good shepherd, you haven't uh, forsaken us, uh, that we are just in turbulent times, that they would trust you even more. I pray that our, their, their parents would be a, a pointing toward that faith and trust that we can have in you right now. Uh, we pray for parents that are navigating all the homeschooling uh, dynamics of being in and out of school and all those challenges of online uh, education, Lord. We entrust all these, all these situations to you. They're so complex. Uh, and they're so novel, every single one of them. We've all been thrust into such a new place. Lord, I pray that this new place will be a place where we find a renewal with you, where we draw on you, where we trust in you and rest in you in a way like we never have before. Lord, I pray for these few minutes that we are going to spend together in the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, I pray that the potent conclusion of this sermon will be heard and received um, this morning in a way that would be fitting to the potent meaning 
just entrusting these few minutes to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are in the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. It's been a journey. I don't know how long we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't, didn't think to look back and give us a time frame, but uh, it's been some time now. We've been just in the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in chapter 5 of Matthew. The sermon ends at the end of chapter 7. The conclusion is made up of three parts. There are three metaphors. The first metaphor is where we're going to spend today, a metaphor of two ways or two paths, two gates that correspond to those two ways. The second metaphor has to do with two types of trees, one that bears good fruit and one that bears bad fruit. And the last metaphor has to do with two houses, one built on rock and one built on sand. So these metaphors are going to play out, one this morning and then the other two in January. If the Lord doesn't come back before then, we'll uh, resume these last two metaphors in January. And starting next Sunday, we'll be in Advent in the book of Micah. So if you didn't notice this morning, there's a little reading plan on the table as you come in. Uh, Grace, would you email this out as well this week? So folks will get this as well. Uh, and the reading plan actually starts next Sunday. So this is just kind of a, something to put in your hands, put in your Bible, if you'd like to have that with you today. And those who are online, you'll get that this week via email. Three metaphors. We're going to deal with the first one today. All three of them deal with matters of life and destruction. There's nothing about the Sermon on the Mount that's been light fair. But the conclusion is seriously sober. Is very serious. And this first metaphor this morning is very much about life and destruction. I'm going to take just a moment before we actually read the passage and sort of acquaint you with these two concepts, these two destinations, if you will. The first having to deal with life. Life, as you would expect, as you would imagine, as you read the Gospels, is something that comes up a lot. There's a couple of references just in the book of Matthew to life. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The sense of this treasure associated with this thing called life. Later on in Matthew, in chapter 16, there's another, another little brief reference. It sounds very similar. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then toward the end of the book of Matthew, there's a, a description of the final judgment that captures both life and destruction in one little section. I'll just read an excerpt from it. Just take this in, if you would. Consider this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. He will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. 
I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then at the conclusion of this judgment section, this passage, and these will go away into eternal punishment, these that were on the left, but the righteous into eternal life. The gospels talk very much, deal very much with life and destruction. I was looking for other excerpts, other passages that develop destruction a little more. Those are some snapshots into life and these two paths, these destinations. But let's just consider the destruction destination just for a moment. There's one passage in 2 Peter I'd like to share with you from 2 Peter chapter 3. So just listen if you would. We're still sort of easing into this. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Saints in the first century, followers of Christ in the first century needed to be stirred up by way of reminder. How much so here 2,000 years later? Stirred up by way of reminder in very serious matters. You should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires in the last days and this was true in those days as well. Well, folks that say, man, this is really irrelevant. This guy's a blowhard. We're fine. Things are going on just as they always have. They'll say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they, these scoffers, deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Stirred up by way of reminder, we're dealing with very serious matters but the same word of the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly these two destinations in this last metaphor today are serious business life or destruction it's as sure as rain ask Noah It's as sure as rain. I thought given the gravity of these destinations and the gravity of this metaphor this morning, I would make a pastoral request. I have but one request this morning. It's a request that comes from Luke chapter 17. Listen to this passage. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the very day Noah boarded the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be the same as it was in the last days of Lot. People went on eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. 
But on the day that Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the last day, on the day the Son of Man is revealed. We're dealing with serious business today, people. My request, my pastoral request, is that we can stop just for a moment in person and online and maybe stop even more than just for the moment. Stop eating and drinking and giving in marriage. Stop building. Stop planting. Stop all these things that we capture up as what's important in life just for a moment to consider matters of life and destruction. Those things still matter, but let's just park them just for a bit so that we can consider matters of life and destruction. I don't know how to be any more serious about this sermon than I am right now, this morning, in this spot. There's nothing lighthearted in the Sermon on the Mount, but the conclusion is very serious business. Stand, if you would, for the reading of God's Word from Matthew chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray. Lord, speak to us. From the mount, from your word, your living word, and this living message that you preached 2,000 years ago, speak to us this, this morning. Bring it to life. Galvanize us, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. Entrusting us and entrusting this time to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a seat, please. There's one command in this, in this passage. One command, and it's the word enter. Enter by the narrow gate, and there's two gates that are offered, a narrow gate and a wide gate. There are two paths, a narrow path and a wide path. They're different in character using those adjectives and very different in destination, one to life and one to destruction. The wide and easy way leads to destruction. The narrow and hard way leads to life. Let's take a few minutes in these next few minutes and just consider these two paths and the few descriptors we have here. First of all, there's some focus on dimensions. One wide and one narrow. I'm imagining one who spent his life up to this point in carpentry would have a sense of space of what's narrow and wide. And he's thinking in terms of narrow and wide. We don't have any um, metrics there. We don't have any details of what kind of space we're talking about just these two simple words in Greek platus which is wide and stenos which is, is narrow we don't even have any references outside the gospels of what those mean we have early Greek that points us to these simple words one means wide one means narrow there's no other airtime outside the gospels of either of these two words and there's no real details beyond these dimensions other than the word that one is easy and one is hard. So we're going to approach this simple metaphor simply. So maybe in these next few minutes, just kind of think. Let me kind of see if I can condition you to think fittingly, appropriately for the next couple minutes. Think about places and occasions where you go for a stroll. Maybe it's your neighborhood. 
Maybe some of y'all are mall walkers, right? Maybe that's not even a thing anymore. Mall walking, you ever been to the mall? You see those people scooting around the mall? Maybe some of you go to the Arboretum. You can imagine a beautiful stroll at the Arboretum or at a park. Maybe some of you are hikers. Maybe some of you stroll, but some of you hike and get like a backpack, a big 100-pound backpack, and you go in the woods for weeks at a time. Okay, I want you to imagine all of those types of walks. What's difficult for us is we're not a walking people. This would have been very easy for them to connect to in their day and age 2,000 years ago. There were no cars, and not everybody had a, a mule or a horse or whatever. So they spent a lot of time walking. And some of those paths were easy, some of those were hard. Some of those paths were narrow, some of those were wide. So we need to kind of climb into that and sort of grab the details of the neighborhood walk, the hike in the woods, maybe the hike off into the backcountry, and maybe even a stroll at the Arboretum. Let's first consider this first picture of the easy and wide way and gate. Let's just follow the metaphor and imagine what the easy stroll might be like. First of all, it's probably going to be pretty comfortable. It's probably going to be pretty comfy. We can keep our personal space, right? Being wide, I like my personal space. I don't like feeling cramped. I don't like feeling overcrowded. I like the notion of something that's wide and spacious. No jostling, right? We don't like jostling. So a place that's easy and wide sounds really comfortable. If you're trying to go to Walmart yesterday or today or tomorrow, plan otherwise, because we're not talking Walmart right now. It's unbelievable. Coronavirus has everybody going, I gotta go buy toilet paper and all the other things. Some of y'all might be rushing out right after this. The wide and easy way is comfortable, like a neighborhood stroll, like a walk at the Arboretum, paved, beautiful. It just makes good sense. The only other adjective we have with this wide way, this comfortable way, is that it's easy. So we might imagine that in some way it's at least has some pitch to it. Maybe it's downhill. Maybe the surface is predictable. Maybe it's paved. We've got nice shoulders and paved space where we can walk very comfortably. Like those short hikes in the national parks. You ever go to the national parks where the, the paved parking lots are? And there's a hike from those spots that's often paved. Those are easy, and they're wide, and they are comfortable. The wide, easy way seems the right way. That's what's true about the wide, easy way. It seems ideal. I don't know if you know this, but there are two passages in Proverbs that are identical. So if you memorize one, you've memorized two passages of Scripture. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Hear those passages. I'm just going to read them both to you. The one's in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Here's the other passage in case you missed that one. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. I didn't know. There are two identical passages in Proverbs. Man, what's true about the wide, easy way is that it seems ideal it seems like the best route it seems like the way you should go and this is something we can consider right off the bat this morning 
is that it appears right now that good intentions are not necessarily the right way. And in fact, the way that's wide and easy that leads to death is paved with good intentions. That's a hint at where this is going this morning. It's paved with good intentions. It seems right, but it leads to destruction. The hard way and the narrow way and the narrow gate, on the other hand, we have this other dimension, this other Greek word, stenos, means compressed. Travel in this space is going to be uncomfortable. There will be some jostling. And this narrow space where this way is narrow and those that are few that find it, even though they're few, they're jostling, which I would think is a beautiful characteristic and character uh, or word to characterize what it's like to do life together in the church. You bump into people, don't you? You bump into one another as we jostle along in the narrow way. It's hard. That's the only other adjective we have. It's narrow and it's hard. It's uphill maybe. Probably the surface is a bit craggy. <laughs> Christy's laughing because not this last summer. We, you know, nobody went anywhere this last summer. But the summer before that, we had a chance to go to Scotland, the McGraw family. And we went on a hike. It's like a six-mile hike. And we were going to go on this hike before dinner. The first half of the hike was wide and easy. I think some of it was actually even paved. We were on a paved road for a good portion of it. And we bumped into a, a local. And Scottish people hike a lot. I mean, they're, they're out walking around. We bumped into a local and said, hey, what's the rest of this path like? He said, ah, it's not too bad. He said, it's, it's a bit craggy. And we had no idea what craggy, I mean, it didn't sound ideal, but it didn't, we had no idea what it actually meant until we got to the second half of that hike, which was unbelievably rugged. It was hard and narrow and a bit craggy something else that's true about this narrow way where we jostle along where it's hard is it may not seem right to a man and when you're on this narrow way you might even be turning to one another and go at times and going we must not be doing this right because this is hard Shouldn't there be an easier path? Shouldn't there be some way that doesn't involve so much jostling? So much craggy? It might seem at times like you've made the wrong decision in this narrow, hard path. It might seem like you've been had at times. In that quiet space in your heart, you go, what in the world am I doing especially when you consider the wide and easy way that is so populated so populated so paved so downhill and so easy with so many people traveling on it you might even hear the kids say at times mom and dad why are we going this way (laughs) can't we find an easier path I don't know about y'all, but I find the faith, I don't find this faith journey particularly easy. Do you? 
I don't find it particularly easy. The only thing that I really find easy is sin. That's easy. Vice? I can fall out of bed and find some vice. Excess? Now that's easy. Sin? That's easy. But this faith thing? Man, it's hard. Anybody else? Am I the only one? Anybody else? Yeah, it's kind of hard. If it's kind of hard and the kids at times are saying, hey, can we go another way? It's a bit craggy. (laughs) You might actually be in the way. In the narrow way. What a beautiful, simple word picture. Travelers on one of two paths going to one of two places. Life or destruction. You know what's really cool is this sermon, this whole Sermon on the Mount has really been a sermon about two ways. I don't know if you realize that up to this point. If you're not in, if you flip somewhere else, go ahead and look back at the Sermon on the Mount. Let me show you this. This is really going to be cool for you, I think. You'll see that this conclusion is just gorgeous. I mean, our Lord is, is the, obviously the best in the world at illustrating, uh, but this metaphor is just so simple and just so beautiful. Look at Matthew chapter 5. I want to show you this sermon has very much been a sermon about two ways. Okay, look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. What I want to show you is there's two ways of dealing with anger. He's presented two ways of dealing with anger. One way of dealing with anger is saying, well, I'm not going to murder him. I'm seething with hatred and anger for that person, but I'm not going to murder anybody. (laughs) I'm good. That's one way of dealing with anger. Or he presents another way to deal with anger. If you're offering your gift at the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. If you've made the trip to Jerusalem to offer something on the altar from Galilee, and you recall, oh, I have this friend or brother or family member back in Galilee that I need to try and reconcile with, you leave your gift there. You travel the miles back to Galilee. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. There are two ways of dealing with anger. One way says, I'm going to refrain from murdering, but man, I wouldn't spit on him if he was on fire. Or you leave your gift at the offering or at the altar and you make the trip back to Galilee to reconcile. You, as much as possible with you, you do everything you can to reconcile with that brother or sister. Two ways of dealing with anger. Two ways of dealing with lust. You've heard that it was said, the verse 27, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Two ways of dealing with lust. Okay, you can say, well, I haven't committed adultery, yet I'm pining for another in the secret of my heart. But I hadn't committed adultery. Or you can do what is whatever is humanly possible whole body steps whatever it takes to refrain from such sin 
If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Two ways of dealing with lust. Two ways of dealing with anger. There are two ways of dealing with wrongs. This next section or on down the page, dealing with retaliation. Two ways of dealing with wrongs. You can get even. I mean, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Or you can refrain from resisting the evil one and turn the other cheek. Two ways of dealing with anger, two ways of dealing with lust, two ways of dealing with wrongs, Two ways of dealing with enemies. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Man, that's easy, isn't it? You talk about something easy. Hating your enemy, man, we don't even have to work at that. That's one way of dealing with it. Or you can love your enemy and pray for them. Man, he's shown us two ways throughout this sermon. Throughout. There's two ways of giving to the needy. You can say, hey, everyone, look at me giving to the needy over here. Or, following another path, you can not even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You can give it secret because your father in secret sees you and will reward you. Two ways of giving to the needy. There's two ways of praying. Hey, look at me with my long, impressive prayer with the big words. <laughs> or you can pray in secret where your father who sees and hears will reward you and be present in that time. Two ways of praying. There's two ways of fasting with your face all scrunched up looking hungry or with your face washed and your, your eyes bright looking like you just had a feast and your father who sees will reward you your father who knows will reward you there's two treasures one earthly one heavenly there's two masters god or money this is a fitting ending to this sermon on the mount with travelers on two paths it's the perfect concluding metaphor one to life and one to destruction I think it was December of 1992, if I recall the year right. I guess it was November. We were, in, we were on a ship. It was on a, we were on the LPD-10 Juno, USS Juno. I think it's still in operation. It's a, a landing, I don't know what LPD stands for, landing platform dock or something like that. It had a dock inside the ship. The backside of the ship would lower into the water and water would fill in this, this, this deck inside the ship. And a bunch of Marines that are launching in uh, uh, Zodiac boats and AAVs, I don't know what that stands for, but it's an amphibious land type vehicle. It's a great place for us to be on. Okay? We're, in, we're on the ship in November and we hear that we're going to go to a real place. We thought we were just going for some training or six months. A six month 
little float is what it's called, where you go to various places. We thought we were going to Australia. It's going to be awesome, man. And Marines are all excited about going to Australia. We go, oh, we're diverting from Australia to the Horn of Africa. The Horn of, what even is it? I didn't even know there was a horn on Africa. Somalia. Somalia. I don't even know where that is on the map. Yeah, y'all are going to Somalia. One of the things that's true about Marines, I loved leading Marines. Okay? But there's nobody better in the world at token and joking around than a bunch of Marines. <laughs> I mean, they have to deal with letting off some steam. You know, I mean, training's hard. You know, the rigors of the kind of things you have to do. So there are times where you're trying to lead your Marines where they are token and joking. We, Lance Corporals, we actually called Lance Coolies because that, that's the way they rolled. <laughs> token and joking all the time. Lance Coolies, shut up. I'm talking. Until we're going into Somalia. Things got real serious real quick. We're in the well deck of that ship. It hadn't flooded yet. Okay, we're going to flood it. We're going to launch in 18 Zodiac boats, 101 Marines. We're going to be the first to land at the port of Mogadishu. We don't know what to expect. The recon has flown over these planes that fly so high that they wouldn't even know that they were there. And they're taking pictures of the port and the airport. And we have these pictures, but we don't know what kind of resistance we're going to face. I mean, it's complete unknown. And I'm talking to our Marines in the well deck of the ship, 101 Marines. I guess I'm, I'm, there's, I'm talking to 100 Marines because I'm one. And you could have heard a pin drop because we're dealing with life and death. I think it was something like 18 miles that we navigated in from this LPD-10 to the port of Mogadishu and the Marines were throwing up over the side of the boats. sober and serious because we're dealing with matters of life and death my hope and prayer this week has been that just for a moment that we could pause eating and drinking and giving in marriage just for a moment not eat and drink and buy and sell and plant and build and just for a moment, that whatever in us might feel like this is so irrelevant and just scoff, that we might just for a moment not toke, not joke, be very serious about what this actually is saying. And here's where it is, people. Here's where this is going. This metaphor of these two paths leading to two destinations, these two gates, these two ways are contrasting. Hear this. External righteousness, which is no righteousness at all, and whole person righteousness. External righteousness, which is no righteousness at all, and whole person righteousness. Let me show you. You're still there, probably around Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 20. He tells them, he says, you're, you're going to have to righteous, have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. And they're going, what, what? The scribes and Pharisees are so righteous. Man, they are pin clean. They've dedicated their whole lives to following Yahweh. They even wear different clothes. <laughs> These guys are the most pious. 
He says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Death, destruction. And he says later on in this same sermon, in verse 48, here's where it makes sense. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That word perfect means whole. You must be complete. Your righteousness must be whole and complete, not just external like the scribes and Pharisees. That way is the easy way that leads to destruction. The narrow way that few find is the way of whole person righteousness. Perfection, if you want to use his word. Complete, inner and outer. That's what's had me really serious this week. That's what has me serious this morning. I'm examining myself going, Lord, search me. Is this just an activity that I'm about because I inherited from my parents? Is this just my job? Do you have all of me? As a follower of Christ, we are to be whole, perfect in righteousness. James spoke to this in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 4. He said, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What? A benediction in Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians that we've read before, where we're going to end our morning, goes like this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The same word that's used there in the Sermon on the Mount. The same word that James used. Holy, perfectly, that it may sanctify you perfectly, that may your whole spirit and whole soul and whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Let's really deal with what we're dealing with here. External righteousness is easy, folks. It's easy. The wide and easy way is not the way of the immoral and godless. I'm going to say, I'm going to let that just kind of sit there in the air for a minute. I'm going to say it again. The wide and easy way, using this metaphor relative to the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, is not the way of the immoral and godless. The wide and easy way is the way of those who are righteous externally only, but are not being changed within. Man, they're squeaky, squeaky clean but not being changed within. The wide way is the path of one who's clean on the outside, but unchanging on the inside. Like a whitewashed tomb.
If you want a little commentary on what's in store for these in that wide way, you get a little window of it in chapter 7. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, you who are in the wide, easy way. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You are a shiny penny on the outside, but dead within. Unchanging within. Man, that's the easy way, y'all. That's the easy way. It's easy to keep from murdering somebody you're mad at, isn't it? I hope it's easy for everybody in here. What's hard is to not hate them. What's hard is to love them. What's hard is to pray for them. Man. I have one place I'd like for y'all to turn as we're moving toward the end of this message. I've got to do want y'all to see this in Matthew chapter 19. Two places to turn. This is the, the la- next to last of two places. Matthew chapter 19. It's a real life story. If you want to know what it looks like for a person who's in the wide way, what does this person look like? Is it me? I hope everybody in this room is kind of wondering, could it be me? I'm preaching it and I'm feeling that way. Could it be me? Let's see what that person looks like. Because that person is right here in the pages of Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 16. Let's look at this guy. Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Okay, this is a conversation about the life destination. This guy is wanting to know, how do I get to that destination? And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. <laughs> Such a beautiful setup. So this guy, this shiny penny, this good citizen, this most likely to succeed. I mean, he would have gotten all the awards in high school, probably had best hair, best athlete. He's all those things. <laughs> Funniest. I mean, I don't know, obviously I'm being facetious. I don't know what he would have been. He might not have been any of those things in high school. (laughs) So he says, okay, which ones? Have to obey the commandments? Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept, what do I still lack? (laughs) Wow. This guy, seriously, he's pretty amazing. He's honored father and mother. I mean, I can't say that I've always done that. He, I mean, he's really pretty impressive, right? All these things he hasn't done. He's loved his neighbor as himself. He's even a great neighbor. I love this guy, right? Don't you? He's the best neighbor you could ever have right here. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, there it is, 
if you would be whole, if you would be complete. That same word for the whole person righteousness. If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Okay, this is very much a conversation about that destination life, that treasured place that I hope everybody in this person, every person in this room and everybody online wants. Verse 16, having eternal life. Verse 17, entering into life. Verse 21, having treasure in heaven. Verse 23 and 24, entering the kingdom of heaven. Verse 25, being saved. This passage is very much about this. What was missing for this guy? Teleos, that's the Greek word for perfection and completion and wholeness. It's the same word that's used in the Sermon on the Mount. You must be teleos as your father is teleos. Whole person righteousness. The same word that James uses over there in chapter one. The same word in the benediction in 1 Thessalonians. That very same word is what he's speaking to here. You must be perfect. Teleos righteousness. But sadly, he was only externally righteous. But boy, was he shining. Wow. Whoo. What a shiny penny. In the words of my father-in-law, he was a dandy. He was a dandy. But then in verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The saddest words in this entire little narrative, he went away. He was missing something. Whole person righteousness. But he went away from the person that would make the difference. He went away. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? This guy of all people. If he's not heaven bound, if he's not on the narrow way, if he's not bound for life, who then is? This guy was a dandy But he's a dandy that heard this and went away. And the narrative ends with this passage. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. We're talking about whole person righteousness. I hope there's every person in the room kind of going, Ugh, I don't know if I can actually even do that. Well, the first thing we learn from this narrative is don't walk away from Jesus. <laughs> don't walk away from Jesus. And the second thing, right here, with God, all things are possible. I want you to say that with me. With God, all things are possible. With God, say it, all things are possible. Ha. 
Man, what a beautiful window into a real person. It's not a beautiful story, though. Because he went, he heard this, and he went away. The narrow way and the narrow gate that few find is the way of teleos righteousness. Inside and outside righteousness. It's the way of whole person exposure to the living God. It's the way of true virtue and transformation on the outside and the inside that results in whole person faith. And thankfully, with God, all things are possible. I have a psalm I'd like to share with you before we close. It's a psalm that you've already heard this morning, and you can turn there. I'd like for you to see it. We're toward the end of the message, but I want you to see that this Psalm chapter 86, or Psalm number 86. I'll give you a second to turn there. It's the psalm that Terry read this morning. I want you to hear from a real guy. This is the prayer, really, or song uh, that you might sing as you're in the way, in the narrow way. You're talking about military stuff. Like you can imagine this being your Jody. You know what Jody is? Troops are out, you know, running down a path or marching down the street and you're singing a Jody, you know. This is our Jody. Psalm 86. For those who are in the way, the way, the narrow way. It's a beautiful psalm. Just listen to some of the things that hopefully I can bring out here. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I'm poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I'm godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. He's poor and needy, and yet he's godly. Anybody else in the room? Lord, I I hope I'm godly, but Lord, help me. I'm poor and needy. It's a beautiful honesty in there, right? I'm poor and needy, but I'm godly. Maybe barely. For the moment, at least right now, while I'm turned in your direction, Let's see how it continues. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I cry, yet my soul is lifted. Honesty, isn't it? It's honest. I cry, and yet my soul is lifted. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. Lord, you are abounding in steadfast love. You're forgiving. You're good. And yet I'm pleading with you for grace. I'm not walking away. I'm right here pleading for grace. I need all the abounding love. I need all the forgiveness, all the goodness of God. In my day of trouble, I call upon you. There's none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you've made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Listen to this in verse 10. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. That's David's way of saying, with God, 
all things are possible. You are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. With God, all things are possible. Look at this next verse. (laughs) Such honesty, I love it. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Those places in my life that aren't fully yours, unite them somehow. Those places in my heart that are divided, unite them because I know that you are a God and, and whom all things are possible. For I know that you are a God that does wondrous things. So unite my heart to fear your name. Man, that's how this guy should have responded in Matthew chapter 19. Unite my heart to fear your name, Jesus. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to go away sad. I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to walk with you until you change my love for money. Until you put that to death. As you renew me, you get more of me and I get more of you and that gets less of me. I'm not going anywhere because you are a God who can do all things. You do wondrous things. You alone are God. I'm not leaving. Man, that's how he should have responded. But he went away sad. God, you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. What a Jody, right? (gasps) What a Jody. Honest and potent, you are a God that's great and does wondrous things. You alone are God. Unite my heart to fear your name. I want to give thanks with my whole heart. Sing it. Pray it. Memorize it. God, unite my heart to fear your name. Those things I love too dearly, those things that aren't exposed to you and aren't yours, take them. Please take them. Y'all, the thing I want y'all to see this morning is that through all these things, these things that we brought up, anger, getting even, somebody's hurt you, somebody's wronged you, you're angry with somebody, somebody's taking advantage of you, you're dealing with lust, You're dealing with earthly treasures. They mean too much to you. Whatever it is, all these things in the Sermon on the Mount. Those are the places where you learn Christ. Those are the places, if you don't walk away, that you learn Christ. He gets more of you and you get more of him if you just stay. You stick around. I'm not leaving you. You are a God who can do all things. You alone are God. You do wondrous things. I'm staying right here. While you transform this person into whole person, perfect righteousness. Because it's not going to happen anywhere else. Or with anyone else. In all these real life issues. Man, just look at the pages there in the Sermon on the Mount. 
anger, divorce, oaths, lust, retribution, retaliation, enemies, fasting, prayer, giving to the needy. These are real life things. Those are where we learn Christ. Those aren't obstacles to learning Christ. They're vehicles to learning Christ. It's in those places that if we don't walk away sad, he gets more of us and we get more of him and we are being transformed on the internals into perfection, teleos, righteousness. That's the narrow way. And it's hard. It's kind of hard. Let me pray. Lord, work this in us. We come before you right now, poor and needy. So poor and needy. We are pleading with you for grace. We come before you realizing that there's no shine on the outside that's good enough. There's no paint job, no veneer, no external that is righteous enough. And Lord, we stand in the way with Christ, looking at Christ, clinging to Christ, seeking Christ for whole person transformation, whole person righteousness. We jostle together in the hard way, Lord. We are so thankful you're here with us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Man, I hope this sermon meant something to y'all. Not for my sake. Man, I, I don't need a stroking. I really don't. I hope it meant something to y'all because it means something. We're dealing with serious business. This is not an activity. We're not a club. This is a gathering of people, incarnate and online today, seeking the narrow, hard way that leads to life. And there's only one place and one person where we'll find that. John chapter 14, Jesus said to his disciples, I believe all this takes place on the night, yeah, this is the night of his arrest. There's probably a conversation that took place at the Lord's Supper. He's already washed their feet. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. He's just told Peter that he's going to deny him. Okay, he's, he's told them that this next 24 hours is going to be rough. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. It's narrow and craggy. You're going to jostle about. You know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas, of course it's Thomas, says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way 
I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You know, we don't have to know the dimensions of the narrow way because we know this. The narrow way is one Jesus wide. One Jesus wide. No more, no less. Let's enjoy this Jesus together and take and eat in faith. Let's take and drink in faith. Let me pray. Lord, we are so thankful for this serious, sober message. Lord, whatever righteousness that we might be leaning into that is not whole person righteousness, that is not in the person and work of Christ, Lord, shed light on that for us this morning. Lord, drag us into your way. Keep us in your way. Lord, help us learn Christ through all these things that we go to, these real life things. Please help us learn Christ. We pray these things in his precious name. Amen. Let's continue in song. Y'all can stand.
risen now to reign. Oh, our God, seated on His throne, come let us adore Him. Behold our King, nothing can compare, come let us adore Him. You will reign forever, you will reign forever.
have a seat just for a moment man those are perfect songs thank y'all so much gracious man listen I hope this morning one thing I hope that you didn't you're not gonna walk away with is some thought I gotta do more I gotta I gotta somehow muster more I hate my enemies (laughs) I gotta stop doing that that was not the point of the sermon man the point of the sermon is Come to Christ and don't walk away from him. He'll change you. He'll help you with that. We have a God who can do all things. What did he say to his disciples? With God, all things are possible. <laughs> what a wonderful redemptive thought. I mean, I, I need that. I hope y'all are, are celebrating that in Christ. Oh, we just got to stick with him. Oh, we just got to stay right here by him. We got, I need the every, I need the every hour. What a fitting, what a, I still have my mask on. What a fitting response. Wow. That's so perfect. So perfect. We need the every hour, every minute, every second. I, what a wonderful, wonderful way to land the plane this morning. Um, I love jostling with y'all. I really do. And those who aren't with us, who are, are probably, you know, wishing that you were, I hope you are. We're missing you. I, I love jostling with y'all. This way is hard, but man, I can't imagine doing it in a different place or with different people. I'm thankful for y'all. I hope that y'all jostle well this week. I hope that you uh, uh, trust that uh, it's the right way. It may not seem easy. But you can trust if you're in that way that's one Jesus wide, you're in the correct way. You're in the, the redemptive way, the life way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. Just a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll have our benediction. Um, the Advent plan. We'll start Advent this next Sunday. It's the last Sunday of November. Um, and we will end Advent on the Sunday after Christmas. So we have five Sundays in Advent. Your reading guide, if you didn't grab one of those, it's a little red piece of paper. Uh, I would encourage you this morning, let's exit that way. But if you need to grab one of those, grab one and then exit that way. I think we, we kind of started that plan where we entered over there and exited this way to kind of keep the flow in one direction. So let's kind of go back to that right now. Oh, you want to, perfect. Yes, Terry's going to grab some of those and have those at the exit if you need those. Um, but I encourage you to read as families. Be real intentional as families to enjoy the Lord right now. Especially as we move into Advent. Man, what a wonderful time to celebrate Advent. In a time where a world is just like so many unknowns. This thing that we can enjoy his first coming. And we can anticipate together his second coming. I don't know of a better time for Advent. It's right on time. Right on time. Let's enjoy it together as families. Be real intentional about it. Uh, there's going to be various preachers in the coming month. I'll be preaching the first Sunday in Advent. Neil Payne will be preaching the second Sunday in Advent. 
I'll be preaching the third Sunday in Advent. Morris Bean will be preaching the fourth Sunday in Advent. And Jason Brown, Jessica's husband, uh, will be preaching the fifth Sunday in Advent. So it's going to be time where uh, some of our uh, guys are going to get the opportunity to, to bring the good word. So they'll all be from Micah. Your reading plan will guide you in preparation for those Sundays. And let's be real intentional about putting our hand to the, uh, to the good plow in, in, uh, in this Advent season to enjoy the Lord through the book of Micah. You can be reading ahead, reading Micah, and enjoying Micah right now. A couple of uh, announcements. We will be uh, starting resuming our Kids Point ministry next Sunday during worship. That will go uh, for kid, excuse me, uh, preschool and younger. Okay, so if you're uh, preschool or younger, we've got a space for you over there starting next week. Um, and let me tell you something, our little ones, y'all, seriously, I shouldn't say little ones, our, our boys and girls, y'all did a great job this morning. Y'all have been. I know it's been a hard season for y'all, especially the, the youngest among you. And for parents, man, I know it's hard and craggy, isn't it? <laughs> it's so craggy. But y'all are amazing. You have done such a good job, parents, with these little, really, really, really young boys and girls, and I'm, man, I'm celebrating, boasting of Christ in y'all for pressing on through a very difficult season. We are taking little baby steps forward, creeping, creeping forward, so that starts up next Sunday, so um, I encourage you to uh, consider uh, being part of that if, if you need it. Uh, last thing is our deacons will be here at 2 p.m. this afternoon, which is just a little while from now, a couple hours, and I, I sent out a Zoom invitation as well for the deacons that aren't able to make it in person. If you're online right now and need to Zoom in, then uh, please join us at 2 p.m., and I'll have you out of here by 3 p.m., so plan on that this afternoon at 2. Y'all stand and let's receive our benediction. Listen to the words of this benediction. It's so fitting. So fitting. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Let's receive this together. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, teleos, completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. God bless y'all.